0: listening to PetLifeRadio.com.
1: That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander's up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Welcome to Pet Peas, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Why let sleeping dogs lie when you can take the bull by the horns and let the fur fly? So get your claws out and get ready to rattle some cages on Pet Peeves with your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shojai.
2: Hey there, and welcome to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Amy Shojai, and I spend my days listening to my own and to clients' pets. Now that brings me to my rant of the week. About 60% of U.S. households share their lives with dogs and cats. Now surveys indicate a majority of these folks consider pets to be part of the family. Now that's terrific. That's all well and good until we start to treat them like furry humans in cute costumes. Come on, folks. They're animals. They have their own likes, dislikes, and their own motivations. They don't think like we do. And so often we misunderstand or, or even ignore what they're telling us. Animals communicate with us constantly, and misunderstanding can have dire consequences. So, a dog wagging his tail means he's friendly so you can pet him. Right or wrong? A cat rolling on her back wants a tummy rub. True or false? Listen, guys, if you're wrong and the pet nails you, your doctor bills are going to soar and the pet may lose his home or even his life. My guest today provides an incredibly valuable resource for pet owners and doggy professionals to help demystify canine communication and help people get it right for a change. Barbara Handelman is in private practice as a psychotherapist and has been a clinical mental health counselor for 40 years. Her work with nonverbal children prompted careful observation of human body language. Studying the ways dogs used their bodies to communicate became a natural extension of her own work with children. She is now a certified dog behavior consultant, specializing in training assistance dogs. She's also an accomplished photographer. And Barbara has combined her dog expertise and photography in a stunning new book called Canine Behavior, a Photo Illustrated Handbook. So come, sit, stay. And we'll be right back with Barbara Handelman after these messages.
1: Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors.
3: So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions, Volume 1, today. To order, go to TeachersPetSessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Silvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. TeachersPetSessions.com.
1: Having a rough day? Longing for the dog days of summer? Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves so here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun.
2: Welcome back to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio and please help me welcome Barbara Handelman, a certified dog behavior consultant who can tell us all about canine communication. Welcome to the show, Barbara. I'm so glad you could join us. Well, thank you for having me. Barbara, I like, when we first start the interview, I like my guests to tell listeners a little bit about themselves. What what dogs share your life and your heart?
0: I have three dogs. I have a a 12-year-old Australian Shepherd, a nine-year-old German Shepherd, and a four-year-old smooth-coated Collie. Um, they have each done their time as my working on mobility and on uh, general assistance dogs. The older two are retired, and Sam is the Collie, is my current dog. We also have two cats, and I have a Uh, a 1,600-pound Belgian gelding horse who thinks he's a very large dog.
2: (laughs) Well, I imagine then that your expertise with uh, the canine communication may come in handy with some of the other critters, too, even though there's a little bit of a translation difference.
0: That's true. Although um, I'm much more of a novice with breeding horses, but I'm finding that um, understanding the dog's body language um, does help a lot.
2: I know that in your bio it mentioned that you had worked with nonverbal children. So, how similar, how dissimilar do you find the human body language compared to dogs?
0: Well, I think it's a little bit like saying how similar um, are French and Spanish? <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know Spanish vocabulary. But I um, have a reasonable vocabulary in French, and if I um, am reading Spanish, um, I can get a lot of meaning because they share a root. And I think that the root is that behavior is visible in all species, and it's a matter of becoming a trained and vigilant observer
2: All right, so it's not so much, I know we humans tend to rely so much on our verbal communication, but we have so much of the silent communication from that we may be even reading unconsciously where the eyes go one direction or another or we shrug our shoulders or heavens, if you tie my hands together, I can't talk because I'm constantly gesturing with my hands. Is this the case then, we're picking up on it unconsciously with people, but with dogs it's both conscious and unconscious with dogs?
0: Well, again, I think it's a matter of being a careful observer. And there are so many myths about dog behavior that unless one makes an effort to really study dog behavior and what it means, um, there's a tendency to rely on um, myth and bad information um, that has been, um, particularly, people get a lot of their information from the media on um, television. is very powerful, and, you know, to use the human paradigm, you know, if you think you can solve your problems by watching a 30-minute soap opera every day. Uh, <laughs> Where you've got, you know, the full range of of human drama um, taking place, being presented and resolved in 30 minutes. And then you take that um, and you try to apply it to how do you resolve issues with dogs, you've got a problem. Um, Life just doesn't work that way.
2: I love the fact you brought up myths, behavior myths with dogs. What are some of the big ones that you hear, I think we probably hear a lot of the same ones, that you'd like to dispel? What are some of the top myths that just ain't so, and what's the truth around it?
0: Well, the truth is that domestic dogs are not pack animals. And so the whole alpha dog and the whole attempt to apply wolf psychology to the domestic dog and try to transform the uh, human household into pack leadership and um, dominance theory, there is so much science, um, hard science, well-documented science that says dogs are not pack animals. Humans are putting themselves at risk when they do things to try and supposedly emulate the behavior of alpha wolves because even alpha wolves don't do those things.
2: Right. For instance, the whole idea of the dominance role, I hear this over and over again. You roll the dog on his back to prove you're the pack leader and you're the dominant animal. Now, what's that going to do if, if, in reality if you try to do that with a dog that you think you can manage?
0: Okay, well, let's start with um, the myth aspect. Wolves do not use force to establish dominance. Dominance is a quality of a relationship and it's fluid and pretty much situationally based. You have a pack leader in wolves who is usually, um, they're now, the scientific language in wolves is to call them the um, breeding pair in the pack rather than the dominant um, member of the pack. whole dominance theory and the theory that dominance was based on physical force was based on early studies of captive wolves and is now um, considered by the author of that work to have been bad science. David Meech uh, has written uh, a, a wonderful paper that's av- you know, available on the Internet called Whatever Happened to the Term Alpha?" And he talks about how it has been misapplied um, to wolves and dogs. The monks of New speech, who brought the whole concept of alpha roles um, into the popular uh, pet dog world, have recanted and has said emphatically, they wish they had never talked about um, alpha roles. So in both the popular dog world and in the science of canine behavior, there is no good science that that supports doing alpha rolls and using force to do so. So what um, happens
2: if you try to do this with your own pet dog? I mean, you've gotten this here. on the on a TV program, and and you're going to do the right thing according to this TV guru.
0: You're likely to get bitten, plain and simply, because what you are doing is escalating your own threat on message to the dog, you're overpowering the dog, you are in dog language using an extreme threat behavior and leaving the dog very few options um, but to protect himself. In a true dominant and submissive interaction in the canine world, there are two parties that um, are playing active roles. In the relationship of that moment, one, in order for one wolf to be dominant, the other wolf has to choose to submit. And one of the reasons I've used so many um, photos of wolves in my book is because their language is on uh, eloquent. They don't do anything subtly. Our, our domesticated dogs use the same language, but it's a very subtle dialect of that language. Uh, And you will see over and over again that wolves, um, when they assume control of the moment, are dominant in that situation. They do it mostly by postural changes, use of their eyes, position of their head, and it's the submissive animal that plays a very powerful role several different kinds of submission. There's passive submission where you see the classic turning over on their side and exposing their belly. You'll see a more subtle version of active submission where the dog or, or wolf is crouching, cringing, tail tucked, head down, um, looking away. And then there is submissive aggression where the animal feels so overmatched and that the one who is dominant in that situation, and I, I keep saying in that situation because except for the role of the breeding pair or the parent in a wolf pack, dominance is fluid within the pack itself. The It's an extended family, and so dominance and submission occur in a fluid man- manner among the the family group so there is what's known as submissive aggression and that's what happens often when humans try to mimic what they think wolves do and they overpower a dog who is hasn't been given a chance to submit or to to behave appropriately the dog isn't learning anything in that moment except that this human is overpowering them And if they're frightened enough, and the human keeps escalating his behavior, they're at significant risk for being bitten.
2: So when you see these, what are very likely, heavily edited footage on television of a human trying to dominate or make a dog submit, and the dog looks like he is submitting, what's actually happening there? Is it this aggressive submission or are they just shutting down
0: usually when when you see what is portrayed and labeled as the dog being submissive on what you're seeing is an example of learned helplessness that the dog realizes that they are in fact helpless in that situation and they do emotionally and physically shut down They stopped responding. The problem is that it appears to work. It looks like, oh, the dog just submitted, he got the message, and now we can go on and do life differently. When in fact, the dog hasn't learned anything other than the fact that the human in that moment was a very scary person who overpowered them, and they still have no idea what the right way to behave in that particular situation is. And I think that's the critical issue. Are we wanting to go through our lives overpowering our animals and having them live in fear, which is a setup for having them always on guard to react, or do we want to teach them what we do want them to do?
2: All right, some really interesting questions uh, to pursue, and we will continue our conversation with Barbara Handelman after messages from these sponsors.
1: Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors.
4: Give your dog some thought. With Dog Thoughts, it's the iPhone application that everyone's talking about.
5: Hey, what do you think of this? A man in Davis, California says he invented an application for the iPhone that claims it can read your dog's mind. Huh? No, it's true. i read about it on my cat's Twitter page. That's I
4: Jay Leno talked about it. CBS reported on it, and now you can see what all the buzz is about. Created just for dog lovers, Dog Thoughts makes taking photos of your furry best friend more fun. Shake your dog and read his mind. Mm-hmm. On your iPhone, of course. Take a pic of your pup, shake your phone, and watch as his thoughts appear on the screen. Does he have a bone to pick with you, or is he having a tail-wagging day? Get your Dog Thoughts iPhone app today, just 99 cents. Go to petliferadiopromotions.com. That's petliferadiopromotions.com.
0: Greetings, human.
3: What planet
5: am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent.
3: To my
5: condo in Boca. Pet Planet magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world.
3: the inside scoop at working like dogs on petliferadio.com.
1: Let's talk pets.
3: Let's talk pets
1: on Pet PetLife Radio. Pet
3: radiocom
1: PetLiferadio.com Pet <laughs> We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves. So here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun.
2: We're back, and again, speaking with Barbara Handelman. Now, before the break, we were talking about uh, something you had mentioned, wolves being so eloquent in their body language that they leave no room for doubt about what they mean. And I was paging through your absolutely spectacular book here. Folks, listeners, you need to get a copy of Canine Behavior, a photo illustrated handbook. There are a thousand photographs in here of dogs, different behaviors with the uh, notes about what exactly is going on, what it means. I have turned to a page here, Barbara, where two wolves are threatening each other using the gape expression. Now, this to me, it looks like, and for most people it look like, oh my gosh, they're getting ready to attack each other. Describe what is the gape expression and what is it actually doing? I mean, when do wolves use this?
0: The gape expression we've probably all seen at one time or another on if you see dogs jaw wrestling and the jaw wrestling goes on for a long time and the dogs become very aroused, you'll see their wi- mouths get more widely open until they're open to their full extent and their lips actually form a, the letter C because they're open to that extent. The gate is actually usually used as a defensive expression. It's not an effective way to um, actually fight or name but it is an expression of aroused, defensive aggression, most often used in what we call ritualized aggression. And ritualized aggression is what we see dogs doing all the time. If you have two dogs in the house and mind jockey over who gets to come through the door first, and they will make a lot of noise at each other and they're flying. And on um, usually I turn around and walk away because it's only fun to do if I'm there to break it up. <laughs>
3: uh,
0: and on um, if I walk away, they stop. And it's ritualized aggression. One of them may have bumped the other on the way through the door, or it was you know moon's turn to come in first, and Luke had pushed him out of the way. Who knows? It's their thing. It, they settle it. It doesn't. They've lived together for nine and a half years and have had probably at least one of these fats a day over something, and there has never been a drop of blood drawn. It can look scary. It can sound scary. Um, if I didn't know the dogs intimately, I would break them up because ritualized aggression can escalate into a real fight if one of the dogs does not decide to submit and just say, okay, it's yours this time. Who ends the fat coming through the door does not result in, okay, that dog is now the dominant one. It means the other one didn't care that much. You know, if there's a piece of food on the ground and the one that you think is dominant doesn't get it, does that mean the other one is now dominant? No. It means the other one that one of them didn't care as much about that piece of food as the other one did in that moment in time. It doesn't say anything about status.
2: Okay, so the gape expression almost looks like they're saying, okay, I'm going to show you all of the tools that I have. I'm going to show you all my big, fierce, scary teeth, and I'm going to hope that you back down.
0: Yeah, it's. Um, I'm going to show you the extent of my weapon right now. Do we really want to continue to do this? <laughs> that's,
2: that's great, and I love your characterization of the dogs. You know, it's only fun if mom's there to watch and break it up. It sounds a lot, a great deal like squabbling children, where, you know, if you don't care, if the parent doesn't care, it's not so much fun, and they say, oh, well, let's see what else we can do instead.
0: Yes, and ritualized aggression is usually about something, and it's usually resolved by one of the animals winning and the other one losing. It's, like, it's just like kids saying, um, okay, that's my truck, um, and the other one saying, but I was playing with it, and in fact, it's everybody's truck, so who cares most about that truck in that moment? I have twins. There isn't as well, I'm the older brother. You know, so I win if who really cares most in that moment, and is the other one willing to say, "All right, you can have it this time, but I get first I get the first turn next time
2: there you go. One other behavior that dogs indulge in that people may misinterpret. Uh, I noticed it um, in the book you. Talk about the nose boink. Technical term there, folks, but describe what is the nose boink and what does it mean?
0: Well, the funny part about the nose boink is that we tried very, very hard to stick with established scientific language. My purpose in writing the book was to create a common language that pet owners, dog trainers, behaviorists, everybody could refer to the same behavior with a common language. The nose blink is one of two terms in the book that we coined. One of my editors, Laura Hogg, who's a veterinary behaviorist, coined nose blink and I got soft whack. So those are the two terms in the book that are unique to the book and do not have scientific backing. The nose blink, as we've described it, I see most often in herding dogs um, when they make a very quick, almost stabbing, like jab at um, a person's face. And and those points, bugs can exert a lot of power with the end of their nose. Like It's a very quick going in and coming out again. And it often happens when the person has gotten too close, is hovering over the dog, leaning over the dog, and the dog will use it as a... It's a defensive warning. Dogs work on a, on a continuum of warnings. I always like to get the opportunity to say, if your dog growls at somebody, tell him thank you. It's a warning. A dog growling is a dog's gift to the people around them. If you correct your dog for growling, the dog will, will not growl. He will go straight to something higher on the list of escalated aggression, which usually means a bite. So if a dog growls on being generous and giving you an early warning signal, the (laughs) same point is somewhere between a growl and getting bitten.
2: Great. Well, I think that's important for uh, the parents of young children to understand because I think that uh, often children don't realize how much they're pestering the dog. And I have seen dogs actually give this nose boink, and the parent thinks, the dog tried to bite my kid, and the, and the kid moved away. But actually, not so much. The dog's just telling the child, you know, back off. Give me some space.
0: There is no such thing as the dog tried to bite me. Dogs don't try to bite. If they intend to bite you, you will have some kind of mark on your body. Dogs have exquisite control over their jaws, and they are fast, and they are powerful. And it takes less than the blink of an eye for a dog to bite with enough force to maim. So we can't move out of the way of an intended bite. So anytime you hear somebody saying, The dog tried to bite me. My response is, if he had tried, you would have holes in you. The dog issued a warning.
2: All right, I wanted to get quickly to your book, The Canine Behavior, a photo-illustrated handbook. And this book, listeners, has been praised by veterinary behaviorists, canine behavior consultants, and dog trainers. This is not just some pretty picture book, although the photos, there's a thousand of them in here. These pictures are glorious. Now, Barbara, how did this book come about? And I understand you have an online course as well based on the book.
0: I do. The course is being offered through... An organization called E-Training for Dogs. That's the whole name. E-Training for Dogs dot com. And the course is based on the book that goes into a great deal more depth about subjects such as stress behaviors and identifying stress in dogs. How dogs communicate whether they want you to come closer or move away. Canines play. And we do spend one whole class session talking about dominance and what it actually means and how dogs show up. The class is there are CEUs on continuing education credits available for the course through APVP, the Association of Pet Dog Trainers, and the Certified Pet Dog Trainers CDP and the IAABC, which is the International Association of animal behavior consultant and we're working on on for other organizations like veterinary technicians but it's also a course that is of great value to the serious pet dog owner who really wants to understand their animals
2: I would believe also and suggest that anybody who works in a shelter environment would likely benefit from this course as well
0: absolutely and we're working on getting the word out to shelters that it's a very good course for people working in with the animals themselves and being able to know what dogs can handle, what kinds of situations, where to place them, how to know whether the dog is fearful or more confident in a variety of situations.
2: All right, well, where can people find a copy of your book?
0: They can order it online from my website, which is www.woofandwordpress.com. They can order it from dogwise.com, and it's available on Amazon, and it's available in many bookstore chains all right
2: well I wanted also to touch very quickly before we say goodbye you train assistance dogs for people and I saw from your website you also offer some help for people to train their own dogs to help them with things how does that work
0: well I am an owner trainer I use an assistance dog myself I work with both my horse and my dog from a power wheelchair so I have both personal and practical Understanding of how to train the task for a lot of, that's helped a lot of different individuals with different disabilities uh, mitigate those disabilities, how to have the dogs help the handler. I don't actually take the dogs into training for other people. I really exclusively work with owner trainers who are trying to train their own assistance dogs.
2: All right. Well, before we close, what is the single most important thing that you want listeners to know about dog communication?
0: Listen carefully. You Watch carefully. Dogs can and will tell you whether or not they are comfortable with a given situation. And if they are uncomfortable, be careful that you don't escalate. Your own behavior in a way that makes them more uncomfortable.
2: All right. Well, we are out of time, but I would like to thank Barbara Handelman and the producers for making... Pet Peeves Possible. I dare you to join me next week for Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio for the next installment of What Hisses You Off. Email me suggestions or post a note to my blog by dialing up PetLifeRadio.com and clicking on the Pet Peeves logo. Oh, and don't forget, you can subscribe to the free, monthly Pet Peeves newsletter available at Shujai.com. Woofs and wags until next time, and take some time to observe and I mean really watch your canine companions. Listen to what they're saying. I guarantee that with greater understanding, your bond will become even closer and more satisfying. And the dogs appreciate it too. They can't enjoy being ignored. After all, you don't want your dogs to get peeved
1: That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander is up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Join us each week on Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Your host, pet expert, and award-winning author, Amy Shojai, will talk about what makes you howl and what hisses you off. Pet Peeves, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.